Today we're looking at Judges chapter 1. Judges chapter 1. And it's, uh, I think it's an, in- I've never spoken, I don't, I don't believe I've ever spoken on Gideon. And Rhonda and then were talking about uh, Gideon this week in the, um, some of the lessons, and I thought, you know what, I think I'm going to do Gideon. I haven't done him or spoken on him. And it's uh, the title of the message, Gideon, You Mighty Man of Valor. And if you look at the setting, it's in the book of Judges, and Judges were the, ty- the time in Israel's history prior to the uh, Saul and the king, the king era. And Judges, these were individuals that would be uh, raised up from amongst the the children of Israel to call them back to their faith and back to their relationship with God. While Israel has, in its years, just diminished their relationship with God, fallen away from God, um, set up idols and were worshiping idols and things, and then we have the setting of Judges chapter 1, and it it starts out this way. Yet again, the people of Israel went back to doing evil in God's sight. God put them under the dominion of Midian for seven years. Now, the, if you understand the ge- ge- geographical area, we have the Midian, the Midianites, and the Amorites, and, and so on. They were basically different city-states as we would look at them as they had their own kings and their nations and and it would be like the people from Bedford, Bedford County coming against um, the people from Johnstown in Cambria County and you know and it's like they all they have their own kings and they have their own um, uh, that they belong to and uh, uh, settlements and fortresses. They'd kind of have a, a major city that they would belong to, and it would be a walled city, and there would be kings, and there would be people that would be from uh, Bedford, and they would all have uh, be men of valor. No, they would all be men of war, and anyone who was old enough to be in battle would be summoned up to go to war against the people from Cambria County and whenever they had a dispute, dispute with them. Well, Midian was this country, this group of individuals that lived off to the eastern side of Israel. And what happened was Israel in its its setting was not a very big country. I mean, even today, I mean, today it's it's just, you know, hardly uh, some of our states are are, are about the size of Israel, Massachusetts, and not Pennsylvania, but like Massachusetts or or Vermont, New Hampshire, those areas are about the size of, of Israel. And so you have an entire nation, and Israel had to depend upon God. They were so small as a nation, they had to depend upon God to see them through their battles and see them through to keep them safe. Well, during this time period with the judges, the the children of Israel had gone back on their faith in God. They had taken the gods on of the Midians and the other ones in the surrounding countries, and they began to build idols, places of worship to these foreign gods. Well, God, who was the keeper of Israel, told them that, well, you've got to stay in a right relationship with me or I'm not going to, you know, you're not going to receive the benefits of following me, of what I have to offer. So for seven years, Midian overpowered Israel because Midian, the people of Israel, made for themselves hideouts in the mountains, caves, and forts. And when Israel planted its crops, Midian and Amalek, the Easterners would invade them, camp in their fields, and destroy their crops all the way down to Gaza. They left nothing for them to live on, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. 
bringing their cattle and their tents, they came in and took over like an invasion of locusts. And their camels passed counting. They marched in and devastated the country and the people of Israel, reduced to grinding poverty of Midian, cried out to God for help. <coughs> Excuse me. So what's happened is the people of Midian, which, you know, the, the neighboring county, the neighboring area, when it came time for the harvest or whenever the Israelites had planted their fields and, and everything, they would just move in. They would just pick up their tents and their, their longings and their camels and their oxen and their sheep, and they would just bring everything in. And the people of Israel had no rights, as it were, or they were incapable of keeping them off of their land. So they would just move in and eat everything. <laughs> they would take on, they would take the, the livestock of the people of Israel. They would just take everything. And, and the Midians would camp there and it's like moving into their own house. You know, unwanted relatives. <laughs> Not unwanted relatives. Unwanted guests. And so they would come and they would move in. And they came like, and it says locusts or like grasshoppers. There were so many people that the whole county, you know, would be like, there's nothing we can do about it, but all of Bedford County would just move on up and move on into your, into your house and into your lands and, and, you know, camp out. You wake up in the morning and there's somebody you don't know. Have, they have their tent outside your your. Uh, your house and their, their animals are eating your garden and they're picking the garden, the fruit of the garden and they're just eating everything and you've got nothing. And it was so devastating, some of the Israelites, they went up into the mountains and the caves and tried to live there. Well, seven years this continued. And then chapter verse seven. The, the key is that they began to cry out to God. After, you know, seven years this is going on, and, you know, the, the, the Israel as a nation, as a group of people, they're just in, di in a di very diverse straits. They can't survive this way. So they decide that they're going to cry out to God. And there was a prophet in verse 7. There was a prophet. Now, we're not told who this prophet is. We're just told that there's a prophet that comes, and he says, One time when the prophet of Israel had cried out to God because of Midian, God sent them a prophet with this message. God, the God of Israel, says, I delivered you from Egypt. I freed you from a life of slavery. I rescued you from Egypt's brutality and then from every oppressor. I pushed them out of your way and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am God, your God. Don't for a minute be afraid of gods, of the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living but you don't, but you didn't listen to me. So <clears throat> the prophet comes on. He comes to the people and says, let me remind you about who you are. Okay, this, is the, this is the important parts, okay? There's lots of important parts in these verses, but the important parts, let me remind you of who you are. See, every time there are, there's difficulties, with, when God deals with the nation of Israel, he deals with them collectively as a group, Okay? He deals with them as an entire nation. For us and in the New Testament, God deals with us individually. You know, we're, we're on an individual relationship with God. But we're not an isolated, you know, it's not like, you know, in the olden days they had those uh, diving suits. You had the air down to the, to the suit and you had a lifeline to the top. It's not like we're in the sea, the ocean, and we've got this lifeline to God and it's just me and God living in this world waiting for me to die to get pulled up to heaven. No, 
it's <clears throat> that God has a relationship with us, and he deals with us individually, and in, in the, the nation of Israel, he dealt with them collectively. So the collective nation of Israel was, had wandered away from God, and God comes along and reminds them, okay, who are you? Where did you come from? I'm the God who delivered you, called you out of Egypt, okay? In our life, God comes along by the scriptures, the Holy Spirit, for, you know, reading and praying and the kids, you know, all the things that we do. He's reminding us who we are. He's reminding us that we are his children. He wants us to kind of look back. Don't be so preoccupied with the problems that are going on in our life, but look at how we view our life. Look at how we look at the problems around us and our nation and, and the places that we live and, and the things that are going on. Are we controlled by the circumstances? Are we controlled by the invading armies? Are we controlled by our government? Are we controlled by our neighbors? You know, people we don't like. You know, or, or are we controlled by this? See, these are, the, these are the challenges, and we see this being related to us, and we have to remind ourselves who we are. We are God's child. How are we God's child? We ask Christ to forgive us of our sins and live within our hearts. Just as Israel was delivered from Egypt, they were delivered from slavery, we are delivered from sin, as it were, forgiven of our sins. We're delivered from the bondage of those sins. They don't control our lives anymore. From Egypt's brutality, sin is very destructive. God doesn't want us to be destroyed by addictions and behaviors, so he wants to free us from those things. And from every oppressor, I pushed them out of your way. I made a way for you. So the prophet is coming and reminding Israel, this is what I've done. And he reminds them, I am God, your God. Don't for a minute be afraid of the gods of the Amorites. Don't think that some gods made of wood or stone or whatever are anything in comparison to me. Don't be afraid of them. So the charge against Israel, you've not obeyed my voice. You don't listen to me. Anybody have heard of children that, you know, don't listen to us somehow, you know, (laughs) Sometimes I wonder, what does God think of us? David, would you listen? I am listening. I'm doing my own thing here, Lord. I'm busy, you know? (laughs) I know that doesn't apply to any of you. Okay, but so we have this idea of this relationship, and God speaks to us, and he wants us to have this relationship. Then, he wants us to listen to his word. What does the word of God say to us? What does the word of God tell us? How does God speak to us? And there, there are a number of scriptures. There are a number of scriptures. Just as God was speaking to the nation of Israel, God uses that message that he speaks to that nation to speak to us individually. You know, this isn't about God speaking to the United States as he spoke to the nation of Israel. This is God speaking to the nation of Israel and then God speaking to us as individuals. One day, verse 11, the angel of God came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joas the Abazite, whose son Gideon was threshing wheat 
in the winepress. Out of sight of the Midianites, the angel of God appeared to him and said, God is with you, O mighty warrior. This is the key verse of everything we want to say today, okay? It's right here, this, this little verse. God came. Now, some believe that this is Jesus Christ, the theophany of, pre, uh, uh, you know, the appearance. Jesus just didn't, wasn't, Jesus was not just born uh, uh, in Bethlehem. He was, he is God. He always was, always is, always will be. And this is supposed by some authors to be Jesus Christ himself showing up to Gideon and telling him. He sat down with him. And where is Gideon? He is threshing wheat. Okay? What is threshing wheat? If any of you have seen combines, you know, I love combines, you know. I was so impressed the other day. We're traveling down to Harrisburg, and there was the head of a combine. Not the head of a person, the head of a combine. It was the entire length of a tractor trailer. Can you imagine the machine that that thing sits on? You can't, but I can't. It's just got to be massive. I love big machines, okay? I'm an old farmer. So anyhow, the machine that this combine would sit on, I mean, it would be the front, the head of this combine to harvest oats and wheat would be at least from that wall, maybe over to here. That's a big machine. Can you imagine what it would be behind that thing to grind that, to run that machine? Okay, you can't. All right, so... I like to think of that because I'd love to go out and drive one of those machines, you know. Okay, uh, <laughs> lost you on all that, huh? Okay, well, anyhow, maybe we can understand this. Gideon is threshing wheat. How do you thresh wheat? In those days, yeah, you brought in the stalks of grain and you put it on a threshing floor and you beat it. And what you were trying to do is to knock the grains off of the stalk and the grains are held in what is called husks. You know, you have corn husks. Well, each grain of wheat or oats is held in a husk. And so you would beat the grain and to try and get the husk that's around the kernel off of it, and then you would throw it up in the air, and what is that husk called? Chaff. And what happens with chaff? The wind drives it away. But where's Gideon? He's husking grain, where at? At the wine press. What is he doing husking grain at the wine press? Because you normally husk grain on the top of a hill where the wind is blowing. But if he's up there on the hill husking grain, who's going to see him? The Midianites. And they're going to come and drive him off and take all of his grain. So Gideon is hiding in this kind of like this wine press area, and he's beating the grain, and he is trying to get enough grain for him and his family to eat because the Midianites are taking everything. Now, he's out of the sight of the Midianites. The angel of God appeared to him and said, God is with you, O mighty warrior. What is Gideon? He's not a soldier. They don't have an army. He is, he is an individual who's trying to get enough food for his family. And God sits down and says to him, Gideon, 
Oh, mighty man of valor in the King James, it has it. Oh, mighty man of valor. And in this, it has, oh, mighty warrior. What is God doing? This is the whole focus of everything we're going to say. God is telling Midian, Gideon, Midian, God is telling Gideon what he is going to be. He's calling him what he is going to be. He's going to be a mighty man of a mighty man of valor. But Gideon is a man hiding in a wine press. In our lives, God isn't caught up with the circumstances. He knows what we can become. He knows what our future is. He calls us by who we will be. See, that's why what happens with us most of the time is we be, we be, we be, we, 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 we be, uh, we be, <laughs> we be caught up. <laughs> I'm sorry. We get caught up in circumstances, failures, mistakes, and we make an assessment upon what's in our hands, what's here. You know, and it doesn't take an expert to tell us what's here. You know, a few minutes, we can sit down and we can figure out your, you know, this person who's an accountant can figure out your, your, your entitlements, your worth, and everything that you, you know, your family, your house, and giving you your title. This is what you're worth. And here, let me do a, you can get a check, a score of what your, your uh, how much you can borrow and everything, your, what you're worth, and you can put all that together, and okay, here you are. Well, God comes along and he sits down with Gideon and he says to him, you are a mighty man of valor because God sees what we can become. And the promises of God give us a different perspective of our life, of ourselves, and of circumstances that we are in. Gideon is hiding from the Midianites, trying to get enough food for his family, and he is trying to do it. He's in hiding. God says, you're a mighty man of valor. What does Gideon say? What does Gideon say? Verse 13. Gideon replied, are you talking to me? <laughs> Basically, that's what he says. Are, are you, you know, you, 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 you angel? You, you angel, you? You God? God, you? Are you talking to me? You know, he's the only one there. And he says, God, you're talking to me? I got a question. If God is with us, why has all of this happened? Isn't that our first thing? To, when God, I stand up here and I say, God is going to do something in your life. God is going to work in us and he knows what we can become. And he has a promise that he wants to fulfill in our life. And when we start thinking about all of these things in the future in faith of what God wants to do, and then we come back to reality and say, is he talking to me? Preacher, are you talking to me? If you're talking to me, then why has all of these things happened to us and to me the way they have? Because we look at things, our circumstances do not define us. Our response to them defines us. And our response, whenever we are working, whenever we are living our life with God, God gives us faith to, to approach our responses to situations. God, by his word, instills faith in our heart to respond. 
Negativity and failure give us a response that is, well, nothing good can happen. Look at what has happened. See, that has nothing to do with it. Has very little to do with it. What do we have here? If God is with us, why has all this happened? Then Gideon says, where are all the miracle wonders our parents and grandparents told us about? Remember what the prophet had told them? Brought you out of Egypt and that I delivered you from the Egyptians and the bondage and the oppressions and things like that. I delivered you from all that. And Gideon immediately says to this angel, says to God, where is this at now? It happened to our fathers, our grandfathers and them, but it isn't happening to us. Didn't God deliver us out of Egypt? The fact is, let me tell you, God, what it's like. God has nothing to do with us. He's turned us over to the Midians. This is our lot in life. It can't get any worse. And it's over. This, we just got to survive. Does that sound like God is with you, O mighty man of valor? God is with you, O mighty man of valor. He says that to Gideon. And Gideon is, Gideon is taking the promise that God is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Midian is saying, Midian, Gideon is saying, where are you at? You haven't done anything. You've left us. This is the way life is. And, you know, I don't look like a mighty man of valor. Verse 14, God faced him directly. <laughs> Do you ever tell your kids, look at me? Look at me when I'm talking to you? <laughs> I used to do that to Rachel. Ask her, you know, you can ask her. I say, Rachel, look at me. She's, Rachel, look at me. <laughs> look at me when I'm talking to you. <laughs> you ever do that? Well, if you didn't, don't worry, it will happen. Uh, <laughs> look at me when I'm talking to you. The reason is we want, read my lips. You ever done that one? Read my lips. <laughs> I'm talking to you, lady, me, son, boy, brother. What did David, they never had to do with David. David always pretended he was listening. Rachel never pretended like she was listening. But anyhow, you get their attention, look at me. Okay? Why? Because I want you to pay attention to what I'm about to say. And Jesus, is, if this is, you know, and again, I'm not one way or the other, but I do feel that this is a theophany, a preappearance of Jesus Christ, you know, before his birth, that God, Jesus looks at him and says, go in the strength that is yours. Okay? Now, it's a very important phrase. Go in the strength that is yours. What strength does Gideon have? He doesn't have in his own mind, in his own thinking, and in his own way, he hasn't got anything. But if he would remember what he was told by God, you mighty man of valor. God was giving him information, giving him strength, giving him power in what he had already said. You mighty man of valor. 
And God is telling him, here, look at me now. Get in. I want you to go on the strength that is yours. This is where all of us come into this. We are to live each day of our life in the strength that is ours. Now, we think about it, well, let's see. Let's look at all the things that have happened. Let's look at how, how strong I am, how, how determined I am. I've, I've, I've made up my mind to do certain things. We look at all of those things and try to determine the strength that is ours. Put that aside. The strength that we have is the strength that comes to us from God. The strength that we have to live a godly life doesn't come from making up our minds. It comes from the strength that we receive from God that he has promised to us. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Okay? Basic principles of the scriptures. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God is always with us. God is always with us. God is a very present help in time of trouble. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We are drawing upon the strength that comes to us from the word of God. And that strength that comes to us from God is here every moment of every day, no matter where we are at, whether we're sitting in church or whether we're in Africa or whether we're in South America, that strength of God is ours flowing into our life. And he's telling Gideon, go in the strength that is yours. And what is he supposed to do? Save Israel from Midian. Haven't I just sent you? <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm not, I'm not. See, that's the problem. We're not. We are not what we need to be. But we can become. That's the challenge of this. And as you read through here, and I, and I was going to read all this, but I'm not going to, you know, because we'd be here for another hour and a half. Uh, but, the, you know, read through this, and you see how Gideon has to work through these things. And, and one of the challenges is, uh, where is it at here? He tears down the altar of Baal. Now, here is, here is a situation which he has to confront the religion of, of the children of Israel that has taken them away from God. The things we have to confront are the things that tear down our faith. The, tear, the things that tear down our faith are the things that cause us to doubt that we can ever become that person God wants us to be. Now, it's going to take a lifetime. We're not going to become this person this week. We're going to keep going on this journey. We're going to keep walking with God, and God is going to keep that supply of strength coming into our life but we're not going to reach that point until Jesus Christ returns, until the day we die. Until that point, we're going to continuously grow and become. Doubt causes us to say, well, you know, I don't think I can ever be greater than what I am. Why? Well, we look at the circumstances. Look at what has already happened in my life, and therefore we put up boundaries and borders and obstacles and, and all those things. God says, go in what I've already given you. And Midian, uh, Midian, 
Gideon, he, he, uh, he doubts all of this, and he wants a sign. He says, God, you know, well, first of all, he makes his sacrifice, puts it on the rock, and pours the broth over it, and the angel of God, or God himself here, touches the, 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 the sacrifice, and a fire comes out of the rock and consumes everything. And then the angel disappears, and Gideon's terrified, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die now. I've seen God, you know. And, and then the next scripture says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Fear is not from God. Fear is a paralyzer. It doesn't inspire. We don't become inspired to serve God because of fear. We become inspired to serve God because he loves us, he leads us, and his strength becomes our strength. We follow him because we love him, not because we fear him. You know, if I don't do the right thing, he's going to slap me alongside the head and kick me in the butt. Oh, no. Put me in hell? No. He loves me. He's going to guide me. Okay, God says, I want you to go take care. I want you to take on the Midians. The Midianites and all the guys, they're camped in this valley. Okay, so Gideon sounds the trumpet and brings in all the people, and they bring in... What do they bring in? How many thousands? He brings in a plane that God sends in, sends in, turns in. Well, anyhow, I don't know how many they brought in the first time. And Gideon says, okay, those of you who are afraid, I want you to go home. And they leave, and he leaves them. He's left with 22 companies of men. How many is in a company? A thousand? I don't know. He's left with 22 companies of men. God says, still too many. Because God wants Gideon and all of them to know, you're not going to win this battle, I am. I want you to know, I'm the one who's going to deliver you from these people. So Gideon, God says, take all the people down to the river and drink water. Everyone who gets down on their hands and knees and drinks from the water they don't go. Everyone who picks up the water and drinks it from their hand, those are the ones you're going to keep. 300 people stay behind. Gideon has 300 people that he's going to take on the Midianites and they are like locusts over the, over the plains, over the people. Almighty oh, man of valor, Gideon is going to take 300 people and defeat the entire locust group. How's he going to do it? God says, Gideon, I want you to take trumpets, put it in those men's hands. I want you to take torches. I want you to take pitchers, pitcher, jars. I want you to surround them. And at the right time, when they are changing the guard, I want you to blow the trumpet, smash the, pot the pottery dishes, and hold up the lamp, the lanterns, the torches. And I want you to yell, and I want you to scream, and I want you to blow the trumpets. And they did that at the exact moment with 300 people surrounding this, this entire valley. And the individuals who were there, the Midianites, took off, and they fought each other. It was in the night. They started killing each other off, and, jo and, and Joshua. And Gideon summoned all the other peoples to come and to chase them back to their own land. They left 
all of their belongings. They left all of their camels. They left all of their donkeys. They left all of their, because they brought them all to the land. And God drove out all of these people, thousands of people, with 300 men. Because God wanted to have the credit in the eyes of the nation that he did a mighty work through one man. And this is our life. God calls us to do something specifically with who we are. We get caught up in saying, I can't this, that, and look at the past and all this stuff. Forget it. Look at what God says to us in his word and the source of strength that continues to come into our life from our faith and our relationship with God. He brought, he's bringing that into us for a purpose. And it's not about me. It's not about me collecting things. It's about me being a wise steward of all that God has in my possession. I am a wise steward because God owns this place. He owns me. He owns my mind, my heart. And what does God want to do with me? He sits down with us and he says, David, you mighty man of faith. I said, who, me? God, look at what I, see how we do all that? God looks at you, Stephen, you mighty man of faith. And you go, me? You know, we all do that. And what does God say to us? Don't look there. Look at what I have put in your heart. Look at what I have placed in your life and allow that to be the stimulus, to be the faith that guides us in our walk with God. There's no telling what we can become. This is the beginning of the journey. We don't allow fear. We don't allow circumstances. We don't allow the past to determine where we're going. God is with us, and with him, all things are possible. Amen? That's Gideon, almighty man of valor. Where is he? He's in the wine press beating on some, <laughs> some grain, trying to get food for himself and his family. You know, he's hiding. Gideon, you mighty man of valor. <laughs> Who's, you, you talking to me? And we look at ourselves. God says, you mighty man of faith and valor, woman of faith and valor. You talking to me? And the answer is yes. I'm speaking with you face to face. In your heart, in your heart and in your mind, God is speaking to each one of us. Shall we stand? Father, we are grateful. You speak to each one of us face to face. You are speaking to us. In this moment, Lord, you are speaking to us, speaking to our hearts, speaking faith and love forgiveness, hope. We thank you for those words you speak to us. Bless us now, Lord, and bring that reality of what we can become in you, with you, through you. God, bring it to us. Let us not look at what has happened or even what is happening, but let us look at what you can help us become. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you.